As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and I'm here with Paul Renner and Denise Renner. Hi, Rick. Welcome, Home Group. Are you enjoying this as much as we are? I'm enjoying this so much, Rick. Denise, yesterday was so encouraging. We're going to review a little bit of that again today, but I want to welcome Paul Renner, who is our eldest son. He's named Paul after the Apostle Paul and my grandfather, whose name was Paul. We have a second son, wonderful son named Philip, who's named after Philip the Evangelist. It's an interesting story. And then we have a third son whose name is Joel. You know Joel. And Joel is named after the prophet Joel. So when our sons were growing up, our house was just overflowing with biblical characters every day. <laughs> we had the Apostle Paul. We had the Evangelist <laughs> Philip. We had the prophet Joel with Rick and Denise. <laughs> and today, Paul is the senior pastor of the Moscow Good News Church. And I am the bishop of our group of churches. And we work together. And what a privilege to work with your sons. How is it working with your kids? How are your kids? Do you need prayer for your kids? Reach out to us. We'll pray with you. We know what it is to have sons and daughters and grandkids. And if you need prayer for your family, let us know how to pray because, Denise, we will really pray. We will. We will we'll pray. And you can reach out to us by calling us or by going online. But, Mr. Paul, what do you have to say? Hi, everybody. Welcome to Home Group Tonight. I think my father today is especially dramatic. Oh, thank you. I like his dramatic hellos. What do you think about his dramatic hellos? He even got a little bit singy today. Yes, I did. That's because we're in home group, and home group should be a place where we have fun and enjoy each other. Well, I want to tell you something. Okay. I don't sing much. I sang a whole lot before I married Denise, didn't I, Denise? Yes, you I did. I sang solos, duets, and actually I have a pretty good voice. But when I married Denise, whose voice is just so outstanding, and it really is, Thank you, I basically stopped singing. But do you know what? This morning, I sang to the Lord. Great. He loves the sound of our voice. Oh, He loves our voice. And this morning in our prayer time, I begin to sing from Psalm 19 about the law of the Lord converting the soul. The testimony, testimony of, of the Lord, Lord is sure, making wise the simple. More to be desired are they, 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 they faster, more than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. I just sang that to the Lord this morning. Make sure you spend time with the Lord every morning. He loves the sound of your voice. He loves you. He wants to fellowship with you, but we're glad that you're with us. And this week, I'm doing my series called The Works of the Flesh versus the Fruit of the Spirit. And finally, we got to the Fruit of the Spirit. But this is really a very detailed, in-depth teaching on these verses from Galatians chapter 5. And the subtitle says, You Choose, and it's really a choice, Death Permeated Works or Supernatural Life giving fruit. You have to understand you are a three-part being. You are a spirit. That's the real you. Your spirit lives in a body and your soul is the control center that I say lays between the two of them. And the soul, the mind is the control center which makes the choice which part of you is going to rule you. And the good news is 
when you get saved, you can make a choice. Before you're saved, you don't even know you can make a choice. You're just a flesh creature. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, the flesh has its own will. It has its own mind. Do you know the Bible actually says there's the mind of the flesh? It'll run you all over the place. But when you become a child of God, the seed of God is planted inside you that has the power to cancel sin, change your nature, produce God in your life. And then with your mind, you can choose, you know what? I'm not going to do that old flesh thing anymore. I'm going to walk in the spirit instead. It is a choice. But anyway, this study guide is free. You can get it by going to runner.org right now. And really, I really mean you should order the series. It will feed you. If you've got anybody growing in the Lord that you're discipling, or if you attend a Bible study group, or what a gift for your pastor, I guarantee your pastor will just devour it. He'll want to teach it. This series is full, and I learned a lot when I was teaching it, Denise. I'm sure you did, because it's so rich. It's so, so very rich. Well, today, let's go back and review a little of what we covered yesterday. So let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23, where we're discussing the fruit of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no one. We saw that the word fruit, the Greek word karpos, describes any fruit produced by a seed. And we talked about the fact that in Genesis chapter 1, verses 11 to 12, the Bible says, God said, let the earth bring forth grass. The herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit, listen to this, after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And as we discussed yesterday, the principle scientifically was set in place. It is a law that can never be violated. Whatever the seed is, that's what it's going to produce. That's why apples produce apples. Oranges produce oranges. Grapes produce grapes. And as I said yesterday, no farmer wakes up and worries that he's going to run out to his apple orchard and find pumpkins hanging on his trees. It's impossible because apples produce only apples. Whatever the seed is, that's what it produces. And we saw yesterday that in 1 Peter chapter 123, the Bible gloriously says that we, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever, which means when we are saved, an incorruptible divine seed is injected into our human spirit. And John referred to this in 1 John 3, 9, when he said, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. It means he cannot go on regularly sinning. Why? For God's seed remains in him. That word seed is the Greek word sperm. God's sperm is in us. The sperm is the Word of God. It is the Holy Spirit that is injected into our human spirit. Now, sometimes people get confused and they say, well, the fruit of the Spirit, is that the fruit of the human spirit? Or is that the fruit of the Holy Spirit? The answer is both. A seed must be planted in soil. The soil is required for the seed to grow. So what is more important, the seed or the soil? They're both important. 
Likewise, when the Holy Spirit is planted in us, the divine seed, the sperm of God, it begins to take root in the soil of the human spirit, and together the soil and the seed begin to produce, and coming out of the human spirit, but being produced by the Holy Spirit through the soil of our spirit, is produced the most amazing fruit, luscious, wonderful fruit. And as we said yesterday, when you really begin to produce this fruit in your life, you'll have more friends than you can handle. People will keep coming back for another serving and another helping because they will find you to be so luscious and so enjoyable. Isn't that something, Denise? Oh, it's so powerful. And how many people now need our love and our compassion? How many people need that fruit to come out of us right now? Mm -hmm. People are so lonely. People are so needy. People are sick. But when you can give them the love of God, that just, that just brings comfort. And it brings, it brings something to them that says, I'm going to make it through this. And because of that love that's inside of us by the Spirit, mm -hmm. we have a choice to move in that kind of love. Well, you know, the Bible says God is love. And if we've received a God seed and the seed's going to produce after its kind, it means we're going to produce the love of God in our life. Everything that God is, is in the seed. Mm -hmm. His DNA, His power, His glory. That's why I always tell people when you're born again, you get everything you need because it's all in the seed. Mm -hmm. It's all there, the will of God, the mind of God, the power of God, the glory of God, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. It's all in the seed. People are seeking stuff out here somewhere when in fact it's all right here. The whole objective of the Christian life is to let what is in us sprout and begin to produce. But what is the first fruit of the Spirit? Well, look, look at Galatians 5.22. And the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Love. Well, God is love. We're told that all over the epistle of 1 John. God is love. Well, if we've received a God seed, then that God seed will produce the God kind of love in our life. But when you study the Greek language, you find there were four kinds of love, and I want to cover these. And Paul, I see that you have sparkling gems open. Why? Mm -hmm. Well, Dad and Mom are using the notes that you can download right now at renner.org, but I've got sparkling gems open because this is where you find all of the original material. So I like to go to the original material, sparkling gems number one, sparkling gems number two, but this was written some time ago. And if you download the study guide right now, you can actually see that the study guide has more than the original sparkling gems have that this material comes from. And so I've been enjoying looking at the sparkling gems. And right now I'm looking at July 23. All right, there are four kinds of love in the Greek language. Here they are, eros, number two, stergo, number three, phileo, number four, agape. Paul, is that all in that? It is. It's all right there. First, first paragraph. All right, let's talk about what these are. Four different kinds of love, eros, stergo, phileo, and agape. Agape is the love of God. Well, then what are the other three? Well, first you have the word eros. What does it mean? Eros is a self-seeking love. It's a self-seeking love, but it is the word for sexual love. Mm -hmm. And it's where we get the term for something that is erotic. 
It really is described something that you're not giving, but something that you're seeking. It's a kind of a fulfillment. Now, there's nothing wrong with being fulfilled sexually, but that's what it means. And it's very interesting, Denise, that the word eros is never found in the New Testament. Isn't that amazing? Even in the context of marriage, you never find the word eros. You always find the word agape, which means even in a sexual experience, when you're moving in the love of God, you're not seeking what you can get. You're seeking what you can give. God elevates it to a higher standard. But the flesh is erotic. It just seeks, seeks. That's why people look at pornography. That's why people do things that they shouldn't do sexually because it's just the flesh. It's the, that's what the flesh does. But for Christians, it's all elevated to a higher level. It's not self-seeking. It's what can I give? Then the second word is the word stergo. The word stergo is a very interesting word. The word stergo means devotion only to one's family. And this word describes such loyalty to family that it was even used by Greek writers to describe the loyalty of one's dog. It's like when Denise and I come home after being away from the house, when we come on our property, our dogs know us. They are devoted to us. They rejoice when we get out of the car like nobody else. They'll bark at everybody else. But I'm telling you, those dogs love us. They are devoted to us. Well, the word stergo really describes just room enough in your heart for your family and maybe a few more and no more. So first of all, you have eros, which is a self-seeking kind of love, and there's nothing wrong with experiencing that in your life, but God wants you to focus more on giving. Secondly, there is stergo, which honestly, you need to be devoted to your family. That's what it means. But it's also kind of a selfish, limited love because it's only for you and your few. Your, your circle is not much bigger. That's it. Then there's the third word, the word phileo. And the word phileo means to love like a friend. And it describes a mutual exchange. I'll love you, but you have to love me back. I'll scratch your back, but you have to scratch my back. And that's why many friendships don't last very long. They scratch, but they don't get a scratch back. They give, but nobody gives back. So they say, hey, I, I'm, done, I'm done with this. If I'm not going to get something out of it, I'm not going to put any more into it. And that's why so many friendships end because it's just phileo and phileo is good, but phileo is usually based on some kind of a mutual interaction or exchange. Well, Rick, that also happens in families. It does. When, well, okay, they're not acting like I want them to act. So they're not scratching my back. So I'm not going to scratch their back. Which means phileo is kind of a conditional love. I'll love you if. Yes, yes. And I was thinking about the word stergo, uh-huh. that, that uh, it's a good, that's a good love. That, that's, in, that's, that's a good love that we could love our family. It is good, but it's bad also, Denise, because if you don't elevate it to agape, one of these days when your kids get married and move away, you don't have anybody in your life because mm-hmm. all you had was just, you didn't give it to anybody, but just those that you were devoted to that we're going to give something back to you. That's really good. These first three kinds of love are real, but they're not the best. They're not the best. And so when you come to the New Testament, we are never commanded to walk in eros. We're never commanded to walk in stergo. Really, we're not even encouraged to walk in phileo, but the whole New Testament elevates the whole thing to agape. Agape is the highest kind of love 
I'm going to read from my notes. I want you to hear this. Agape, the Greek word agape. By the way, there are two words in the New Testament which are practically impossible to translate. Translators just struggle with it all the time. One is the word agape because it's so full and so huge. How do you translate it? Hmm. And the second is the Greek word charis, which is the Greek word for grace. It is almost impossible to translate because it's so huge. (laughs) But the word agape, which is the word for love, occurs, listen to this, when an individual sees, recognizes, understands, or appreciates the value of an object or a person, causing the viewer to behold that object or person in great esteem, awe, admiration, wonder, and sincere appreciation. Such great respect is awakened in the heart of the observer for the object or for the purpose that he's beholding, that he is compelled to do something, to love it. He's compelled to love it. In fact, his love for that personal object is so strong that it is irresistible. It's not just a saying, oh, I really love that. It's seeing, being so impacted by what you're seeing. So impressed that it's irresistible. You say, oh my gosh, I have to do something for that. I, lo- I love that. It's a love that always acts and always gives. And the best way I say to describe agape is the love that a parent feels for an infant. You know, when an infant is born, an infant has nothing practically to give you. Mm -hmm. An infant takes your time, takes your money, takes your space, gives you a load full of dirty diapers, throws the food across the room if it doesn't like what you've served it, it cries, it steals your sleep, and yet when you look at that infant, you are so amazed by the miracle of that child that you're just compelled to love. But the truth is, That child can't even say, hello, mama. Mm -hmm. Can't even say, hello, daddy. What can I do for you? The child practically has nothing to give you. But that doesn't change the fact that you are just compelled to love that child. And I say that the love that a parent has for a newborn infant is probably the greatest example of agape because it's a love that has no strings attached. Mm -hmm. It just loves. So, Rick, in John 3, 16. That's where we're going to go next. For God so loved. loved. That's the word agape. And what it means, God looked at the world. Now, let's face it. When you come to the Gospels, the world was a mess. It was a mess. It was pagan. It was dark, scarred. Humanity had messed everything up. But when God made man, God made man in his own image. And when God looked at mankind, even though it was all messed up, fallen into sin and slavery, God could still see his image. And like a parent who loves a child, God was so taken with man that he chose he was going to love the world, even though the world possibly would not love him back. And in fact, we're even told in John chapter 1, he came unto his own and his own received him. received him not, but that did not stop him from coming and loving. God loved the world with no strings attached. I'm just going to love you. And because I love you, I'm going to do something 
for you. I think this is important because you may look at your spouse, you may look at your child or a friend and say, oh, they're such a mess. Even if they're a mess, allow that God seed in you to produce this irresistible love just to love them with no strings attached. That is divine. It is divine. And, and Rick, when we got saved, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, that the Holy Ghost shed abroad love in, in our, our heart. heart by the Holy Ghost. And so the love of God, like we don't have an excuse not to love because the love of God, that agape love is shed abroad in our hearts. In our heart. But John 3, 16, let's quote it. For, For God, God so loved, loved the world, world that he did what? Gave. He gave. That's what agape does. It doesn't say God so loved the world that he decided he would give if. He just couldn't, he couldn't hold himself back. He loved. That is agape love. So different from eros, which is self-seeking. Stergo, which says, well, I'll love a few, but not many. Yeah. Phileo, I'll love you if you love me back. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. Agape, listen to this, I've written this, is a love that loves so profoundly. It knows no limits or boundaries in how far, wide, high, or deep it will go to show to its recipient love. If necessary, agape love will even sacrifice itself, which is what Jesus did, for the sake of that object or person is so deeply cherishes, it is the highest form of love, a self-sacrificial kind of love that moves the lover to action. It is what I call high-level love. It is beyond eros. It is beyond sterego. It's way beyond phileo. It is agape. It's in a category all by itself. And there's something else, too. If you're moving in Eros, Stergor, or Phileo, not only do you have a lot of stipulations on your love, but you become the slave of those that you're kind of loving because you're looking to get something from them. And if they don't give back to you, you're going to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. But when you move in agape love, you're never disappointed. Never. Because I'm not loving you for what you're ever going to give me. I really could care less whether you ever give to me or not. I'm just going to love you because... I choose, I'm going to love you. It puts you totally in control of your love. You're not looking for feedback. You're the one that's giving. It's the freest, the highest level love. Paul? It's wonderful. When my son William was born, I was in the hospital. I remember holding him for the very first time and being overwhelmed with uh, unexpected feeling of love, the exact same love that we're talking about here. And since, since that I would be willing to do anything for him, I didn't know him. I didn't know what he would become or who, what he would be like. But all of a sudden, there's just so much love. But at the same time that I was experiencing love for my son, at that very, very same time, I started to cry because it was the first time that I ever understood what it meant when my father told me, I love you. I had never understood before the full meaning of what it meant when someone said, I love you, until I experienced that same type of absolutely unconditional love. 
So there's, there's, a, there's a way that we can experience God's love when we begin to love other people. And the seed of that love is in us. Yes. It's, it's not like you have to force it to come out. You just surrender to it. It'll come out. Like Denise said, it's been shed abroad in our hearts. And the Bible says in 1 John 3, 18, my little children. So let's not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And listen to this. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, follow after love. Love, that's the word agape, which means you have to make a choice to follow it and to allow it to operate. Mm -hmm. But you can. That's why we're told in Galatians 5, 16, walk in the spirit. When you walk in the spirit, that is following, that's releasing this divine love seed. God is love. His seed is in you. It'll come out, Denise. I have a word of knowledge for somebody. You never did ever experience even the stairgo love. In fact, you, feel you were rejected a lot. And it's been really hard for you to give love because you didn't receive love. But you have the love of God on the inside of you. Mm. He, he has received you just like you are. He, and, and he wants you right now to just open your heart and say, I receive this love that's for me. Wow. From God to me. Amen. Right now. And I want to pray with you. Yes. Father, I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit right now that's, that's moving among us right now and over our friend. And Father, we just, we just connect our faith with them to open up and to receive the love of God. Yes. Your love like never before. Yes. And I pray for that person that's having a hard time loving somebody else. That the love of God in you would flow toward them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, when we come back tomorrow, we're going to talk about joy, peace, long-suffering, and gentleness. I told you, this series is packed. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.